How are we doing, fitties? It is Matt Whitmore here, one half of Fit of Food. You know this by now, I hope. And this is episode number 80 of Fit of Food Radio with me good self and me good lady, Keris. Hello. 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 <laughs> Come and meet the missus. If any of you are fans of the film Labyrinth, you remember that little worm when she first <laughs> enters the Labyrinth? Like, Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Classic film, classic film. Uh, right, guys, episode 80. We are so close now, aren't we, Curious, to that 100 milestone? Yeah, it's taken, it's taken, what? It's taken a long time. Oh, right, guys, so in this episode, we are going to talk about um, what Keris has learned on yet another course. She went off again yesterday, um, so it was just me and me and my bro, my little dude, Hamish, for the day. Have We have a little boy's day in when Keris goes out on these courses it's awesome i can watch like action films and that keris would never in a million years watch eat ice cream no you didn't well you never know you were here (laughs) i've I've hidden the evidence i've hidden it it's gone no traces at all um so keris talk to us what let's talk about your problem with sugar (laughs) yeah this is about sugar addiction yeah can i just tell them uh, alice is a story about i brought you a an almondi biscuit which for those of you who have never heard, um, Honey Buns Bakery do these biscuits called Almondi, and they're mainly ground almonds, honey, and eggs, and um, sugar as well. Mm-hmm. And I brought you one as a little, like, oh, I got you this biscuit, I was out treat. for the day, here's a little treat. And <laughs> you went to eat it, like, you ate your breakfast one day, and you went to eat the biscuit after having a lovely big breakfast. Do you remember uh, this? And I said, why, why are you eating the biscuit at breakfast? Well, I don't think it was immediately after. It was, like, two minutes after. And then I said, why, why are you eating the biscuit now? That was kind of like a little treat to have. Like, I suppose I shouldn't really put a time slot on your treat. But I was like, do you really need that biscuit? You just had a massive breakfast. And you were like, no, not really. And you put it back in the cupboard. And then I carried on. I was cooking. I was doing some other bits. And I went into the bathroom and I heard you go back into the kitchen. <laughs> and I heard this little rustle. <laughs> And I was like, it, like, you are such a little kid when it comes well, to sugar. Can a man not enjoy a treat that his <laughs> yeah, girlfriend got for him? <laughs> Crikey. <laughs> and then I think I showered, didn't I? I was like, put it back, I can hear you. Like, companies need to invent, like, less noisy rappers. Because <laughs> <laughs> no matter how quiet you try to be, it's so loud. So damn loud. But so then, they... No, and then you put it back. You had a little strop and you put it back. And then... <laughs> a little strop? <laughs> you did. And then I went into the bedroom. Started stomping around. No, and you gave it like half an hour and you thought I couldn't hear. I, I knew. I thought, I'm just going to give him half an hour and then I'm going to check. And I went into the kitchen and I opened the cupboard and the biscuit had gone again. Poof, it had gone. Yeah. Mr. Nobody. But you turned the telly up so I couldn't hear the rustle and you thought, I'm just going to... I normally, I normally <laughs> cough a little bit like, ugh, ugh, whilst I'm opening it, but uh, yeah. Nothing got past you, but it was very nice. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for outing me as a sugar junkie. (laughs) Charming, isn't it, guys? Can't even enjoy a little treat. (laughs) You can't have it in the house. Anywho, on to more important (laughs) scientific things. I'm just trying to share with our listeners that you you two have that battle with sugar. (laughs) I do. It's a known fact, though. More than me. I don't don't try and hide it. (laughs) I don't try and hide it. (laughs) Anyway... Uh, yes, I was on a course yesterday, and it was called the uh, gastrointestinal metabolome, which is a, a phrase I'd never really heard before, but it's kind of looking at the gut microbiome and all the things it produces, all its metabolites, and the impact that has on the human the human body, so the metabolism. So I think that phrase has kind of come from just this even bigger picture that we're trying to look at when it comes to the uh, how does 
uh, gut health impact everything else in the body. So that's your, right. your energy systems, your neurotransmitters, your mood health, your immune system. The big focus was the immune system. And I have to say, was probably the hardest day of lectures I've ever been to. The, the title doesn't kind of give the impression it was going to be an easy one. You well, know they I mean? did send some pre-event kind of uh, reading to do, and I, fa- I was finding that hard, so I knew it was going to be difficult. But just generally, the immune system is a really, really difficult thing to learn about because there are so many different um, components to it. Mm-hmm. And you've got just... It's very biochemical, so it's very science-based. Well, do, you know, do you know what's going to be even more difficult? Explain it to you. Is explaining this simply <laughs> and quickly. Yeah, I know. Because... We've uh, we're on a strict deadline with this podcast because we um, we we've got uh, like clients afterwards. We were like, let's give it a bash. Let's put Keris under pressure. Oh, well, what I've said, I think I'll, I'll give everyone the context today, and then I'm going to have to go away, write it all up, and decide how to explain it with really bad analogies in another oh, no. episode. <laughs> help us all. <laughs> so go on, let's get into it. Go. So the the context here is. Uh, all the new research is saying more than ever, we've kind of spoken about this before, but even more than ever, they're understanding the mechanisms of how nutrition and lifestyle choices affect your immune system. And what they have noticed is that eventually, or they're hoping that things like a stool test, a urine test and a blood test will be able to look at so much about your um, your the kind of um, the balance within your gastrointestinal system in terms of healthy bacteria and digestive enzymes and nutrient status, lights that are uh, occurring as a result of chemical reactions, and they'll be able to basically intervene at that point and go, you are on track for developing cancer, heart disease, autoimmunity, etc. So um, it's it's really exciting in that because they're understanding the mechanisms quicker, they're able to measure them better with scientific testing rather than going, let's look at cholesterol, let's look at tumour markers. These aren't very good for kind of predicting the kind of more, oh, you're, you're buggered. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's do something about that. So if they can do that, they can run those tests on you and say, actually, there's something breaking down here metabolically that means Matt will develop type 2 diabetes in the next three months. Uh, you can do something about it. Right. And it's very powerful for someone like me to show a client and go, you are on the road to this or that. And, you know, you might be feeling a bit of pain now, but you could be, at li- you know, kind of life-threatening stuff in a few months' time or years' time if you carry on down this route. Mm-hmm. So it's incredible. And because they're understanding the immune system and uh, kind of where the immune system is actually located, and so much more of it is in the, is, is, is actually in the gastrointestinal tract than we first realised. And I've also just finished reading a brilliant book by someone called Rob Knight. Uh, he's written a book called Follow Your Gut. And you can go on and watch him on uh, YouTube do a TED Talk on this. And also Tim Spectra's book, The Diet Myth. So all of it worked out really well in that they're all talking about the same thing. And that is basically, we have discovered we are crawling in microbes. The human body is actually like, you sat here now. It, mm-hmm. the, the stat used to be that was cited a lot is there's one of you, like for every genes there's like 10 microbial genes because there's there's trillions and trillions of these microbes crawling all over you but actually they've even realized now more studies have suggested that actually men versus women age versus um different populations and wherever you live have got different amounts of microbes on them so it's not even 10 to 1 it could be it's completely different depending on those factors Mm -hmm. so you and me are sat here together and we are kind of like 99 percent genetically identical as human beings but there are trillions of bugs on us and we only share, I think it was something like uh, 
uh, I can't remember if it's like a third or something like that, very similar, or it might even be less than that, like 5%, I can't remember that stat, but we share a tiny amount in common, and the rest is very unique to you, or very unique to me, and these little bugs are in your ears, up your nose, uh, <laughs> around your crotch, on your skin, and then the biggest population is in your gut, so in the gastrointestinal tract. And what we know is that these little bugs crawling all over us are basically kind of living in harmony with the body. So your body survives because of them and they survive because of your body. And it's a really nice symbiotic relationship. It's not just, a, you know, it was, it was kind of when, when we discovered germs, we thought that germs were kind of carrying disease and mm-hmm. like Louis Pasteur was one of the first guys to start talking about the germ theory and if you sneezed and passed on that germ... Uh, it was kind of poorly, very poorly misunderstood. And now what we know is we've got this this huge population that lives in harmony with us. And even we used to call, well, I'll, I'll, I'll have said this on several times on podcasts, you've got good bacteria and bad bacteria. And when I do stool tests on people, I kind of go, oh, look at your bad bacteria. But actually, what they were talking about yesterday was saying that we kind of need the more kind of commensal bacteria, they call them, and um, which are kind of like, they're not bad bacteria, but they're just different species that sit there and don't do a lot, but they're helping our beneficial bacteria do their job. Yeah. And if we don't have enough beneficial bacteria, it usually means that we get pathogenic coming in um, and kind of populating in the gut and colonising and that can spread disease. And then the redundant ones that were just sat there might even start to pump out some bad stuff as well. We've kind of got this little um, community in us where they said you kind of need a few bad guys a few redundant lazy buggers, bugs <laughs> that do nothing, and then the ones that are doing are very proactive in protecting you. And this differs completely based on your environment as well. So they know that whatever country you're in and the diet that you would have had traditionally or the diet you have now has a big impact as to whether that's beneficial. Right. So I was talking to you about Jeff Leach, who is a guy who's gone and lived with the Hadza tribe, uh, which is a kind of one of the modern... Uh, day hunter-gatherer tribes left one of the very few ones left and what he wanted to do is they were looking at the fact that they don't suffer from any of these chronic diseases of Mm -hmm. inflammation that we have cancer heart disease uh, etc and he was looking at the balance of the the microbiome their kind of balance of bacteria in their gut and testing stools and looking at his own stool and what he wanted to do was go and live with them and eat their diet and see if he could change his gut bacteria balance to similar to theirs with a view that he's then protected against disease right but he, he, it actually didn't change that much. How long was he living with them for? Um, God, it was, uh, I think it's months and months. I don't, I've only just got his books. They've just come in the post. Okay. I think he was there for years, actually. But he was doing it for over six months and measuring. But similarly, the guy, Rob Knight, who wrote Follow Your Gut, was doing a very similar thing where he's been doing stool testing for uh, him, his own for, for years. But he got his wife to do it for six months and said how despite eating the same foods, they retained very different bacterial uh, stamps. And the, the other thing that people have likened it to is kind of your bacterial profile is a bit like your fingerprint, so it's very unique to you. But that's a bit flawed because it changes all the time. Um, not, not drastically necessarily because that's what people are showing, but it does. it's very dynamic depending on your environment. So yeah. it's always trying to protect you and stuff. Um, <clears throat> but basically what they were saying was uh, we, we're trying to force change sometimes. So what we've noticed is, say, bifidobacterium is a strain of bacteria that is very beneficial and very kind of um, anti-inflammatory in Western societies, but it doesn't have the same effect in other societies. So in kind of developing countries, it doesn't appear to have that benefit. Yeah. In fact, it's usually non-existent in their, their gut profile. 
it's like this little microbiome world is developing based on feedback and interaction with your environment. And uh, as I mentioned before, diet is the biggest influence on it. But the reason I loved the diet myth is because there were so many studies in there. Do read that book it, uh, kind of talking about how our whole approach to losing weight, where we go eat less, exercise more, has been completely flawed because we talk about it in with a view that what often happens is people derail their hormones and they kind of drive down their thyroid hormones and they deprive themselves of things like B vitamins and you know all the nutrients that you need to fuel your metabolism so ultimately although they can lose a bit of weight initially they can't sustain it and mm-hmm. their metabolism slows down and then they kind of resume normal eating habits and gain more weight back and that is kind of going on in the background but what the diet myth explains is as you completely restrict your diet so think of the people doing weight watchers and slimming world is that your gut bacteria start to kind of die off so it's not as diverse. And one thing that's been noted in in kind of healthy populations is they have this very diverse range of bacteria. So think of it as like a garden and it's like full of all different types of plants and flowers and it's really healthy. Um, however, not, not necessarily in certain disease cases like Crohn's colitis, it's where they almost have too much bacteria and we have to kind of go in and do some weeding and get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's certain disease situations that are kind of exceptions to this, but generally having that kind of diverse, broad range of bacteria seems to be what most healthy, lean individuals have. Um, and that's why it's really important to go back and treat the gut um, when you have either a fat loss goal, but definitely for disease prevention and immunity straight to the gut. And also, that's where we break down the nutrients. And stuff. Yeah. So obviously, it's going to have that benefit in terms of fueling metabolism. So yesterday, they were talking about um, more about how certain foods that you eat will then produce certain products, which will then literally talk to the immune system. And I mean, directly interact, latching onto like receptor sites and activating an anti-inflammatory response. So lowering the production of inflammatory chemicals, like calming down the immune system, which is amazing because that's food as medicine, literally. Yeah. And it's things that we've talked about for years and they did quote people talking about this in like the 1400s. Um, do, do you know what though? Like this, what always interests me is as humans, like we are fully aware that obviously, you know, you know that, that what you eat obviously has an impact on your health. We know this, yeah? You say that. But a lot of people get, don't. No, listen to me. So, <laughs> well, no, they do. Like, you, you know, like, I don't think there's many people that would say, you know, like, here's a bunch of spinach. Do you think this is good for you? Here's a greasy cheese burger in a white bun, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, which, which would be better for you? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, if no, you no, used no, to no. kind of give people the choice. No, I get, get where you go. But one thing I was going to say was people are going to hospital, this was talked about yesterday, with Crohn's colitis and told diet will not make a difference and if anything go on the kind of beige foods diet so that really? yeah so they're getting, being told gastrointestinal disorders and they are being told diet will not make a difference wow. and i've had clients come to me and say i've been told diet won't make a difference i mean the point i was actually going to make was just before it just becomes completely irrelevant was that, <laughs> so that, no but no what i was going to say was like you know like if you get a cold or a flu or yeah. something like that What's the first thing people do? They're like, oh, I need to eat like lots of like uh, vegetable soups and honey, yeah, lemon, honey and, and lemon ginger. Yeah. It's all of a sudden like they think Garlic. of these foods that, that will help. help them get better. But then once they're better, yeah, yeah. they go out the window again. Yeah. And it's like, so people know there's that association of eating certain foods or more vegetables or broths, whatever, to kind of help make them better when yeah. they're ill, but won't have those things kind of 
just generally all the time anyway. Yeah. Well, that was a really cool point that was mentioned yesterday was they said one of your biggest battles is convincing people that the principles you're going to talk about to support the immune system, to look after their gut, look after their hormones nutritionally, they've got to do for the rest of their lives. Mm. Because the likelihood of you getting cancer, well, it's now one in two. So that is due to various different changes that are going on within our lifestyle that Mm. are out of our control. But what you can control is the food that you eat. And to a certain extent, improve your environment and do some exercise and get sleep. Like there's things that, and I have to say this to people because I go on these courses and I've said to you, I sit there and think, oh my goodness, we are absolutely doomed. Like when you listen to the stats, trouble because of what we do and the generations after us, the kids, like it almost makes me want to cry because you think of what we're kind of raising them on the food. It's very different to what our grandparents yeah, were raised yeah, on. So. We've really lost our way with kind of nutrition in that sense and cooking. And, you know, we're on a mission to get everyone back in, into the kitchen, cook the food and mm. add in all the, the antioxidants and, and, you know, use food as medicine. But I can't remember where I was going with this. What I was going to say anyway is it's the need to do this for the rest of your life is so important. And rather than sit there and worry about cancer, you know, we've got the genetic, um, I've got that genetic risk you have. We've lost parents. Uh, It's it's in our families already. I've lost friends before the age of 30. I can sit there and I can worry about it or I can do something very proactive and I can help other people do something very proactive about it. And that makes me feel better. Loads of happy hormones is a really good thing to have as well. So... Um, but one thing I was just going to uh, go back to is the way that we build this this microbiome. It's Mother Nature kind of has a very um, uh, a very structured plan in place for us. So when I used to talk about this when we do talks, I was first taught that we had we were born with a sterile gut. But right. actually, it's been noted that the mum is already um, kind of passing on her beneficial bacteria. And dads, to a certain extent, has come through as well in terms of kind of genetic potential yeah. um, with the sperm during pregnancy. So there is like a, a, a kind of translocation of, of bacteria through the placenta. And so it's already happening. And the babies aren't born with a sterile gut. They actually right. already have a little bit of bacteria. But what wow. the mum does is she's trying to decide, based on the environment, what's the most beneficial bacteria my little baby to survive in this environment how cool is that that's amazing so she's gathering the best bacteria that she believes the baby needs and she's basically populating that uh, say, I say she's doing it she's not really it's just happening she's populating the birth canal with that bacteria ready because the baby's going to go through there and it's going to go on its skin and in its mouth as well um, and then it's also being sent ready for the to the mammary glands for breast milk so this is why it's really important um, to try and breastfeed to try and have a natural birth I know it doesn't always happen that way and you yeah. must do what's right at that time and if that's cesarean it's cesarean yeah. there's loads you can do after that to kind of also support uh, the immune system and, and the kind of um, the microbiome but mother nature kind of has that plan in place and we are my biggest frustration with the kind of um, seeing friends go through having kids is when they are not told about this or they're kind of encouraged to bottle feed at the first opportunity and get back to work and it's kind of well I wasn't mother nature's plan you know that's why yeah. she's given us this gift of, of, of breastfeeding and um and I've heard debates on the radio where people have argued that there's there's no benefit to breastfeeding over formula milk what we can't mimic in formula milk is your mum decided what bacterial balance would be the best for you and you can't mimic that like that's like that um we've mentioned it before but the is it the is it the the gnats or whatever 
The flea with the, the flea. one with the hard helmet. If the mum says it's yeah, very it's born stressful. like a harder helmet or a yeah. harder shell or whatever. If if it's a stressful environment, the mum's detected it. So yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the the new flea, the baby little baby flea, yeah. is born with a harder shell. Well, it's also all harder helmet just sounds so wrong. <laughs> wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Other things like um, you know, kind of there's various things that mum does in pregnancy. You know, we know that the diet that she eats can can kind of turn on and off genes uh, for you know, disease and, and diabetes and obesity. So it's really important that mums kind of, you know, understand that. But also what is done in the first few years of life. So we're born with um, very few bacteria. That's definitely the case. And then um, across time as we're breastfed and we start to wean on foods. So those early years of weaning should ideally be done on whole foods um, and, you know, kind of as little sugar <laughs> as possible and, and focus more on, you know, vegetables and, and eggs and um, eggs, um, fruits, and things like that. So very, you know, natural whole foods that we would have been exposed what? to <laughs> for a long yeah. time. I don't know. Been a bit Jamaican. What <laughs> <laughs> Um So where was I? Yeah. So then, and then as you get older, oh yeah. And then one course of antibiotics. So the, the great thing about Rob Knight's book is he said um, he's talking about vaccinations. There's a lot of debate about when our immune system is trying to grow. Why would we put a treated disease in the body plus the other things that go with it? I urge everyone to kind of do your research there and make a decision. And Jane Donegal is a doctor who kind of lectures on this, that you can go and listen to her present and then you decide, you make that decision. But a lot of people are now vaccinating later. So when the immune system is, is actually kind of more um, more fully formed and we have an more innate... Developed. Yeah, we have an innate immune system that we're kind of born with, but then we have an adaptive immune system that's always kind of looking. So every time you get a cold your immune system takes note and goes, right, that's what a cold looks like. This is what I needed to do to get rid of that cold. We're going to log that in the library. Should that cold come back, we've got everything we need. We'll leave some guys hanging around yeah. and kill it. That's kind of how the adaptive immune system works. And um, really, as we're trying to use vaccinations to, to work with that, but I'm not convinced that we really know enough about it very naturally but yeah. again people need to go and make that decision for themselves uh, but one thing that Rob Nye says was although he's a big fan of he is a fan of vaccinations he said what I would never do is give uh, or not never do but he said I think twice about taking antibiotics um, so if there is a way that you can get around anything like a you know a chest infection by doing kind of more natural remedies and and not trying to work or train through these things which is what a lot of people do don't they yeah um and avoid the antibiotics then that's kind of better but if you do have to take antibiotics you immediately go back in with probiotics and prebiotics which are kind of um basically foods and fibers that help to feed beneficial bacteria and help them repopulate so if you do wipe out your gut with you know carpet bomb them go back in and support the, the repopulation. But as you get older, your population declines again. So we become less diverse. And it's kind of thought that that's a jewel maybe preparing for death. I don't know. But one thing that they're coming up with now, we've mentioned this in Second Helpings, was um, uh, fecal mic microbiota transplants, which is mm. where you take the poo from someone who's healthy and you give it to someone who might have Crohn's or colitis or um, you know, so they're the inflammatory bowel diseases. But one area that it's been proven, and it's now got, I think it's got FDA approval in america so it can be used in kind of conventional medicine is with an infection called um c difficile which is really uh, prevalent in america and they were saying that this messes people's guts up so badly makes yeah. them so sick that <laughs> the joke on this podcast i was listening to with rob knight where he said kind of any any poo will do <laughs> just put some poo in there <laughs> and he said like dog poo will probably do just get something in there that's not their bacteria wow and then he had to correct himself because he's like i didn't i didn't say that <laughs> but he does highlight how 
animals do their own kind of um, it's called FMT fecal motor uh, transplants but a lot of do a lot of them do kind of sample FMT don't they Hamish does a little bit of fox poo a little oh, bit he's, he's, he gets a vast variety of poo yeah but in it's his unique diet. it's unique to Hamish's needs whether so it's he's not rolling it, eating it <laughs> licking it yeah. my gosh. Yeah, he's, he's always licking wee of other animals. So bizarre. I know, and then he comes and kisses you. Oh, it's weird that he does that, isn't it? I'm sure he does it on purpose. <laughs> but it's very interesting because he's exposing himself to different types. Dog bact- but, uh, dog slobber is full of, but of you know, bacteria. Like, there's something in this, I think. It's funny because we were talking yesterday, weren't we, about saying how... Because like, a lot of our like close friends now and, and whatnot have, have got kids or are pregnant and, and whatever. But the only thing we can kind of... Um, related to is Hamish like Hamish is our little baby in a way and and to a certain extent it's it's all very very similar because you know you have to train a dog you know you have to be able to you know it's kind of down to you how a dog behaves in certain situations but you almost can't take away that primal instincts that they have but the thing is with us I feel human we've become this like a nation of real like warriors about children and and dirt and falling over and what they interact with, what they touch, et cetera, et cetera. And, like, we kind of let Hamish just be a dog, don't we? Like, he knows who's boss, you know, and he's, um, you know, he's he's, he's disciplined in that sense, you know, in terms of, like, general training. But, you know, if he rolls in shit, like, we let him roll in shit, you know, and we don't always necessarily wash him unless it's a really stinky one and you're like, actually, that is unbearable. But because normally after a day or two, the smell just fades, doesn't it? It completely goes, even though we're just used to it and we're walking around smelling like poo, (laughs) thinking we smell normal. Um, You know, and if he eats something like, you know, some poo or he does whatever, we don't, we don't tell him off for it. We kind of just let him do what dogs do. You know, and he drinks out of dirty puddles, he rolls in dirt. And honestly, as a dog, he is a picture of health. He's three years old, never had any problems whatsoever. And I'm really proud of that fact. And I'm sure it is a big part of it is down to, hey, well, hey we, we feed him really good scoff. You know, he eats like a king. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, raw food, offal and all of that. But in terms of like exposing himself to different bacteria, dirt, you know, in the water, the grounds, the soils, whatever... You know, like we we've allowed allowed him to just do that, haven't we? Well, another interesting thing is when uh, we were training him as a puppy, they said to keep him from eating your chewing your shoes. He never did actually. Was to spray them with deodorant or perfume. I, I smelt so bad. Like, oh, <laughs> I touched them. But um, it, he is. I've probably mentioned this before. He's so he can't breathe properly when you. You spray um, aftershave on your coat sometimes because like, I don't let you put it on because it's, it's just well, it's not, just full of chemicals. So it's, so it's not direct on my skin. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's full of nasty stuff, and he can't breathe when you spray stuff sneezes like that. Like he sneezes like crazy, and he got, you can see him. He wheezes, and it's just kind of like I just think we load our you know we load our environment with chemicals, and and a dog is a really good example of how he kind of is trying to support his immune system very naturally. And that is a good point that you mentioned because the other side of it, this, this, there is a hygiene hypothesis that as a child, you need to be exposed to animals and dirt and dog slobber, grass. Um, and even in that kind of, maybe not the first year of life, but, you know, that, that kind of intermittent exposure to, to, to gluten and things like that, to mm. let the immune system understand um, this is... It's what it is, you know, and, and develop yeah. kind of um, protective mechanisms. And with gluten, actually, it was mentioned quite a lot in that what they were saying was some people genetically kind of have um, a tendency to produce something called zonulin, which um, 
almost kind of opens up the tight junctions in the gut barrier. We've mentioned it before. And a gluten is, is known to kind of stimulate that. And if you have that genetic potential and you've eaten a lot of gluten and you've got other stuff going in, it can mean that that gluten, you know, does for some people, obviously for celiacs, it's now been proven, but they were saying for actually some cases of irritable bowel syndrome, and we now have um, non-celiac gluten sensitivity. And it's, it's actually the mechanism is it's, it's increasing this sonulin, which you may already have too much of anyway, and that can be measured soon. It'll be measured Mm -hmm. in, in um, tests. So the gluten fad is not a fad. Um, and I was uh, with Emma Myhill yesterday and I said to her, you know, like I eat gluten, I don't avoid it. I don't, I, I don't, I don't act, act, actively go out there and have gluten foods, but I don't, I'm not celiac. So I don't kind of say, yeah. is that got gluten in it? I just make choices pretty much 99% of my week that is gluten free mm. um, because I'll eat quinoa or I'll eat um, potatoes or rice. You know, I just, mm-hmm. I just don't see, I've got one of the gene mutations that would mean I would react to it. So do you. So it's kind of why well, I don't need it. So why would I bother? But if I want to have a pizza with you, I can. You'll have a pizza with yeah, me. Yeah, because I'm not a celiac. However, even celiacs. I like when you have pizza with me. <laughs> even celiacs, I think soon there'll be some stuff um, coming through to help them not eat a pizza. But uh, celiacs often suffer from kind of cross-contamination or when they're eating out, there's a little bit of exposure on like right. a, you know, kind of cooking utensils and things. So there will be things, there are supplements coming out, I think that will help them um with that anyway we're 30 minutes in and i've not even i've not, <laughs> not even started but the, the the big thing that i would say that that was mentioned yesterday so i i will go away and write up some notes and do something a bit more in depth but there was um quite a lot no, of but this is good because was, you know we're kind of reiterating a point that we've stood by for a long time and that is that gut health is incredibly important right well it one thing that drives me mad about the fitness industry is we're here the health and fitness industry we're here to get people fit and healthy and a lot of people come to you with a weight loss goal and i feel that most people most people yeah there's a lot of corners being cut and there's a lot of you need to focus on macros and you need to focus on calories and actually if you go behind the scenes and look at functional medicine if you look at nutritional therapy they are not where i would start with anybody I would start with looking at someone's, the source of someone's calories, and then I look at their entire lifestyle. And then I look at, well, how is this going to become a sustainable kind of um, sustainable habits for them? Mm-hmm. And we've talked more and more about kind of personalizing it. And this was a big thing that was mentioned. It was about personalizing nutrition. And the paleo diet was mentioned quite a lot on this talk because... Although it's a really beneficial starting place, and that's what we've always said, if you come off those foods. But if somebody is basically just living on eggs and bacon, they're not going to have a good um, kind of diverse um, profile of bacteria in their gut. And this is where it gets a little bit bastardized in that the health and fitness industry, because it's all about macros, it's not talking about where is your um, antioxidants, where are all the kind of um, foods that offer you know, kind of prebiotic foods and yeah. where is this kind of, where's the, where's the skill of cooking? So if you're still running to Marks and Spencer's and buying all their stuff, there was three or four different food additives and emulsifiers that completely, that were mentioned yesterday, that just wreck the gut, that just destroy it. A lot of the sweeteners do, like sucralose and mm-hmm. um, aspartame and things like that. Like they can actually kind of start to kill off the beneficial bacteria. And what we know is the beneficial bacteria, as well as kind of having a role of producing various different kind of um, chemicals that have that anti-inflammatory effect and protecting us, also just kind of docked in the gut and protect you from um, pathogens Mm -hmm. colonizing there. So there's almost that role of like they're a little army. Yeah. And 
yesterday they detailed the gut barrier itself i didn't realize uses up 40 percent of your bmr so your energy need 40 percent of that is your basically kind of your gastrointestinal tract how amazing is that wow so if we uh if you if you want to talk about calorie burning (laughs) fix, (laughs) fix up your gut but you know we talk about leaky gut um so when the gut barrier itself can break down actually what they detailed yesterday was and i've never really understood this before but there's not just a barrier that we need to look after so the barrier of the gut is kind of uh, we have a brain barrier and we have a gut barrier and they're designed to protect the body from the outside world so the brain barrier obviously because you can breathe in some things and then we need to have that barrier to make sure it can't cross certain drugs can and and um some other components but you don't want an immune response going on in the brain that's really dangerous yeah Um, And same for the gut. So the gut's got this strong barrier, but behind the barrier is kind of your uh, immune system. And that's like your lymphocytes, your B cells, T cells and dendritic cells. And they all kind of look a little bit different. Think of them as different. It's like the army, the police force, the ambulance. You know, it's like everyone kind of lined up behind that barrier, ready Mm. if anything gets into the body to deal with it. However, um, the barrier itself, which, as I mentioned before, has kind of tight junctions that, that we know that zonulin plays a role in kind of whether they stay locked together or whether they start to open up. Um, and that's why, you know, we kind of talk about the gluten thing. Then we've got these kind of villi that I mentioned were like tiny fingers where we absorb the food. Yeah. What, we, what I didn't realise, and they talked about in quite a lot of detail, so is then we've got this layer of mucus. And it's within this mucus that we've got loads and loads of bacteria. And this mucus is really important. And certain foods you eat can increase that production of mucus and certain foods can decrease. And they were saying that the kind of standard crappy diet of too many bad fats, saturated fats in terms of, you know, junk food and loads of sugar, not enough fiber, not enough fruits and vegetables will kind of decrease that production of mucus. So you'll get bad bacteria coming in, colonizing around the gut wall. You haven't got enough good guys to dock in and keep them out. Uh, Maybe there's a ton of gluten going in there. So then the, the tight junctions are starting to open up. And then stuff food is getting in and mm-hmm. then we get basically this massive cycle of inflammation where the body's like, whoa. And once that's opened up, food proteins and chemicals and stuff are getting into the body and your immune system's activated. So yeah. then we've got chronic inflammation uh, and we've got the immune system pumping out inflammatory chemicals and you've got rashes, you've got swelling in places, you've got pain and you feel like absolute crap all the time. And yeah. that's 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 whole body breaking down and then obviously like we all then start to talk about chronic diseases so it was just really interesting that diet was one of the biggest factors for keeping that that slime in the gut your protective slime in order um and the biggest kind of mention um about the 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 approach to take was that fruits and vegetables are playing a big role because of the fiber in terms of uh, not only are they food for the beneficial and and I'm going to have to really try and train myself not to keep saying good bacteria, like, but the, the bacteria that does seem to be protective and, and offer benefits to us. Mm-hmm. Also, because it helps once we eat fiber, it's broken down by the gut bacteria and produces something called short chain fatty acids and medium chain fatty acids, which then pass into the body. And again, will talk to the immune system and start to downregulate inflammation and help with things like um, cell regeneration. And even they were talking a lot yesterday about the role of short chain fatty acids in supporting mitochondrial function. Right. So mitochondria, um, the easiest way to explain them is they're the powerhouse within your cell. So for generating energy and we need energy for every single process in the human body. And uh, the nutrient that seems to be really important for, for the mitochondria is these short chain fatty acids 
which is why we need to eat so many vegetables and fiber and have those within our diet. And they said a big failing with the paleo diet was people going too low carb, cutting out lots Focusing of Focusing too much on protein and fats. Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. And, and not having and, and getting kind of lazy with their, their nutrition. And then that's why they'll start to notice mood changes, infl- uh, you know, like immune changes, getting sick a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, we know lots of people that will explain this. I think as well, like, because uh, when I first made the transition to um, diet, you know, a few years ago now, and I, I suppose this, there's something to be said, like we said, didn't we, that at first I, I felt fantastic. I felt so good, so much energy, clearer skin, great night's sleep and all of that. But then over time that started to fade. And I think initially it was that kind of classic case of I've eliminate, eliminated a lot of um, a lot of the nasties, a lot of the, um, the processed stuff out and replaced it with more nutrient-dense foods. Um, so obviously I'm going to feel a benefit to that. However, I, I, looking back, I would definitely say I fell into that kind of like bracket of focusing too much on kind of like meat and protein and and, and not getting enough um, vegetables, fruits and whatever in there because I was so focused on, you know, because I made that mistake of associating the paleo diet with a with a low carbohydrate diet and it was just like, oh yeah, great, meat, nuts and and, and whatever. Uh, meat nuts and coffee that's that's what it was (laughs) so I had that initial boost of like woohoo this feels amazing because I've taken out a lot of the crappy processed stuff that I was that that, that had a which was a huge feature in my diet Um, and then all of a sudden I think my body was a bit like hold on a minute I'm, I'm lacking something here you know, I've had that great little burst of whatever, but now I kind of need a little bit more. And that for me is kind of where it changed. And I took on more and whatever. And obviously I came to the realisation that a paleo diet or paleo-ish diet, as we now call it, isn't a low-carb diet at all. That's just this this kind of huge myth. Yeah. Um, but interestingly, I'm seeing a lot of personal trainers tell people to go back to things like just, just fish and vegetables or oh, there's like a trend. I definitely see this a lot in London. There's a trend for like in the week just eating kind of protein and veg just all week long yeah. and then going crazy at the weekend because and, and, what people see is they're just dropping all the water across the week. Yeah. And what uh, we talked about this a long time ago is just how important kind of carbohydrates are for, and fibre for those, for those kind of mu- mucous membranes and even in your kind of nose and throat and eyes and things like that. Like these are all, this is your immune system and it needs, um, basically it needs those fibres, it needs those foods. And they were mentioning actually legumes got a bit of a, a shout out, especially chickpeas. Big up legumes. Which interestingly, because a lot of people might start to say, well, I can't tolerate those foods. Yeah. Um, you know, like I can't tolerate legumes, I get wind. Uh, another food group that was mentioned was the dark green leafy veg. So that's your watercress, your kale, um, your spinach. Amazing in terms of kind of the bitter antioxidants are very good for yeah. kind of interacting with the immune system and mopping up free radical damage. And the crucifers, which is broccoli, Brussels sprouts, broccoli sprouts and bok choy. Um, and my first thought was I couldn't tolerate a lot of these foods. When I'd really wrecked my gut through overtraining and various other things, I could not tolerate them for a bit of a gut healing protocol mm-hmm. And then once you kind of um, have restored gut function, good enzyme capacity, good levels of hydrochloric acid, uh, you're chewing your food, you're eating slowly, which is a very big factor that we had to retrain ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Um, And that you can actually start to tolerate those foods again. And I noticed I've been able to add back in kind of dairy with not no problems. I can add back in uh, legumes, which I'm really pleased about because I love I love, I've always loved hummus and chickpeas. And uh, what I do is just buy the ones that are kind of already soaked in water. So, you know, um, and you've been, you've been the same. And I've been able to diversify, adding in quinoa and some gluten-free oats and stuff. And 
I would say once you've fixed your gut, you can then add in that the kind of, you know, you just you, you just diversify. Um, but the What's foods that the other foods that got a big shout out was kind of your prebiotic foods, so your onions, garlics, leeks, artichokes, asparagus for helping to grow that benefit. Sorry, um, increase the amounts of beneficial bacteria that you have as well. And actually, like you know, when you look at our recipes, that you know, like, that those kind of ingredients feature often, don't they? Because yeah. things like you know, like burgers, curries, stir fries, you know, you're going to get your onion in there, you're going to get your garlic, and and things like that. So. Buy our book, people. It's full of goodness. <laughs> so let's just bring it back to fibre real quick. Because obviously I mentioned before, like when you do kind of t- cut out the typical foods of, you know, breads, pastas, you know, like whole, you know, whole grain, whole, wholemeal bread, you know, they are quite high in fibre. So it would have mm. been quite an easy way for people to kind of get their fibre hit for the day if they're having sandwiches or toast in the morning, whatever it may be. Um, so what would you say kind of like really... Good sources of fibre from more like natural natural foods, like unpro- uh, less processed foods, should I say? Yeah, so <clears throat> really good question because a lot of people notice when they switch, when they come off those foods, that their bowel movements seize up and go very slow. Yeah. And part of that is, like you said, it's kind of the, the bulk and the fibre. Um, so if you're looking at sources of fibre that would be a bit more gut-friendly, feeling in the gut, you would be thinking along the lines of, we've already mentioned, so chickpeas, legumes, lentils. Um, if you struggle to um, digest them, actually looking at something like a, a dal or a curry where you cook them, mm. slow cook them for long periods of time. Yeah, and they're nicer, aren't they? It's really tasty. There is even a, um, an enzyme supplement called Yester Beans. Really? <laughs> yeah, so you can try Yester Beans um, and see if that helps a little bit. Um, also, just the kind of, uh, if you look at kind of rice, quinoa, buckwheat, but again, looking for, this is like old school nutrition, but the whole grain. So there's a little bit of back and forth about whether we'd be better moving to brown rice, black rice, red white, red rice <laughs> and wild rice because they've got kind of that, that husk. And so whilst they are not, um, they might kind of inhibit some nutrient absorption. That was the argument for going back to white rice. Um, in the case of fiber, they are kind of much more fibrous. And chia seeds, which I've been adding to porridge in the morning, um, most people know this if you put them in water they swell and yeah. that kind of gelatinous uh that's basically fiber that, that they're producing that kind of gelatinous uh, consistency that they they have with the porridge and they're absorbing all the water and most of this isn't actually digested so um obviously it kind of stays in the bowel and, and feeds that beneficial bacteria so it adds a lot of bulk to your food without actually adding um not that i want to bring it back to calories because i've just yeah. kind of said don't focus on calories but it's not just pure kind of um, energy going into the body it's like I said doesn't actually get absorbed and that was one of the points that Tim Spectrum makes in the diet myth whereas he said with a high fiber diet half the calories you're eating don't actually get broken down into the body they they're they're packed with resistant starch which stays in the in the gastrointestinal tract and feeds the flora right so we've always harped on about root vegetables because with root vegetables you're also getting a lot of micronutrients um you know like vitamins and minerals as well Mm -hmm. so that's amazing antioxidants again and the thing with um uh root vegetables again just because they are a plant-based carbohydrate it's kind of in that cellular matrix so it takes a lot for the body to break it down releases sugar a lot better so for people with blood sugar management issues that's gonna be better but they're even identifying strains of bacteria which are strongly associated with insulin resistance so antibiotics might come along eventually as a cure for type 2 diabetes and then you repopulate the gut or fecal microbiota transplant might be used to address type 2 diabetes and then people get insulin sensitive again but you can reverse it with diet and lifestyle choices yeah, yeah. anyway if it was kind of a persistent in its nature one thing to note actually um 
Um, so that would be a good source of fibre. Uh, fruit, <clears throat> so um, I think I mentioned, so the apple got a lot of love because of the pectin and the peel. Uh, and they were kind of saying, like, who doesn't love cooked apple? Uh, and I was saying to you, God, if you added, like, loads of cinnamon and nutmeg and ginger in there as well, you get, like, loads of the antioxidants to help, mm-hmm. again, interact with the immune system, mop up free radical like damage. Nice apple sauce, that. Just yeah. go with a bit of roast pork. Cool, yeah. please. <laughs> Always bring it back to me. <laughs> a bit of crackling. <laughs> Do you know, it's funny though, it did make me consider, um, there's a lot of kind of call for more vegetables and more plant-based foods in your nutrition. And, and we've talked about this before where people are talking about a pagan diet. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of paleo where you get the benefits of um, all the things that meat and fish and eggs and have to offer. Um, but you're combining that with lots and lots of plant-based foods so that you're getting all the benefits of that and you're kind of sitting somewhere in the middle. And before on a podcast, I'm kind of coming back around to like a middle ground where I eat less meat because um, I just think I benefit more from eating. I eat the skin and fish, sorry, the fish with skin and bones on. So I get loads and loads of the kind of calcium and and, uh, like sardines and things like that. So I kind of think I I get a big dose of, of, of like, proteins from that and a lot of nutrients that I need I eat quite a lot of eggs and more than that I'm kind of looking at more plant-based foods so I'm not even near to a vegetarian but no. I I went through a phase of being kind of heavy meat eater and I've scaled that back to kind of a I'd say like I have meat once a week really yeah you're, you're definitely more bigger on the fish and, Veg- and vegetables, vegetables now food, for yeah. sure yeah and it just uh, and again that's just kind of looking at gut bacteria and and also I just think even though um I'd love to be able to source our meat better um you know, I, I just don't think you know, you have a lot of choice in it. My dad was speaking to some farmers saying they have to administer antibiotics now to a lot of sheep because of foot rot and things like that. Yeah, and it's, it's like, kind of like yeah, got you, laws that they need to follow, haven't they? Yeah. So, I, and I just think for, from that perspective, it's getting harder and harder to get kind of antibiotic-free meat. And well, you can't really. I think by law they've got to administer a certain extent, and it's in the feed. And that's, I think with those kind of you know, same with all things, really. You just kind of kind of got to do the best that you can. You know yeah. what I mean? And I think like. For us, like we we do try and get, I mean, we try and get to the farmers market as much as possible, don't we? And we yeah. try to get like a our veg, you know, like organic and or you know, like we know that not all fruit and veg needs to be organic, but apples, incidentally, are one of the most sprayed. Yeah, exactly. Fruits. And so well, with the general rule of thumb is, isn't it? If it's something where you eat the skin, you yeah, should probably try and opt for organic. And we like going to the farmers market anyway. Like it's just a nice day out and actually being able to pick the food yourself, etc and you know if but if it means that you know let's say we're having a roast chicken or something we probably couldn't get the the best quality chicken that we could you know do we get stressed out about it no, not so much like, no, no no i don't and it's one asked on the page are you 100 percent organic it's fit food 100 organic and i said no because when i actually tried to do that it got really stressful yeah and i found myself we, stopped, we, we actually moved into a shed <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, <laughs> we, we ate by candlelight because we couldn't afford any electric <laughs> I found myself not eating foods because they weren't organic. So if we were traveling and went into a supermarket and I couldn't get organic salad, I was like, oh, I'll just leave it then. Yeah. And it, I was like, what? I had to have a word with myself. I was oh, like, what fast. are you doing? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I'll go without. Yeah. So, yeah, I, did have, I had to have a word with myself and just thought, as much as I can, I will buy organic if it's there. If we're in the supermarket, I'll try and go for organic. But it just can't be... It can't become a stressor for you and if it becomes yeah. a financial stress exactly. that could be as detrimental but can i just point out that so many people scrimp on food and spend a hell of a lot of money on cars and clothes and cars and, clothes booze yeah. supplements and and i get that kind of when i'm talking to people about oh i need you, i need you to invest in this like you know if i'm working with a client i probably need you to invest in this supplement i know it's expensive um 
And sometimes it gets frustrating because they're kind of rushing to get back to habits that got them expensive habits that got yeah. them in trouble in the first place. Well, I think it's like sometimes people just need a bit of a, a reality check, you know. Like, I mean, I was the same. Like, when I realised how much I was spending on coffee, you know, when we were working in town. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, because we were spending a lot of time in coffee shops, granted. And I was like, I'm spending about 15 to £20 a day on not just coffee but coffee water, water things like that and i'm like wow that is just too much money you know i'd much rather spend that on uh, uh some chicken and steak you know that's really top quality for argument's sake hence the reason why we invested in the coffee machine which is the best investment we ever made <laughs> for you wow. i'm not sure you know coffee depletes magnesium levels prove it Where's the science? Well, Show was... me a study right now <laughs> that backs that up i'm gonna get your magnesium levels tested <laughs> Um, anyway, back to the fibre. And the last bit of fibre, again, this is kind of on a case-by-case basis. Some people aren't that great on um, grains and seeds, but actually things like quinoa, buckwheat, amaranth, mm-hmm. the kind of ancient grains, millet, were shown to increase short-chain fatty acids in the gut. So um, I like this information because I think it allows people to really diversify their food intake mm-hmm. and it makes healthy eating really interesting. And, well, it must you know, admit, I, I had some quinoa the other day, which... I actually enjoyed. Well, I got you on the case of quinoa because... Maybe it's because I made it. <laughs> because, um, again, it's kind of a, it's a, it's a high-protein seed, uh, as it were. But, again, it lends itself really well in that I don't think anyone's going to go crazy on quinoa. I don't think you're going to get emails <laughs> of people going, oh, my God, I just oh, binged just on quinoa. I'm addicted to quinoa right now. <laughs> you know, whereas some of the more flower-based... I'm going to like a quinoa this way. <laughs> yeah. And sprouting quinoa. <laughs> um, whereas some of the grain, uh, flour-based carbohydrates, because of the refined, um, the refined nature of them, and by the way, the flour has been shown to have a uh, kind of increase strains of bacteria that uh, release more kind of pro-inflammatory um, mm-hmm. signals to the body. So they kind of upregulate that pro-inflammatory effect. So you're always kind of better. Flour's all right in in small amounts, but your main source of carbs should come from kind of plant-based foods or whole grains. Um, But with the quinoa having quite a lot of protein in it, and I just don't think people go crazy with it. And it, uh, you got on the case and did a like a Moroccan style with poached eggs and fennel and cumin seeds. It was Mm, lovely, wasn't it? It was really nice. Um, So yeah, so we've we've started adding that into our meal plans now, and it's very popular. Uh, Speaking of veg, real quick, um, because I found that a great way for me to just naturally increase my veg intake was to start including more veg at breakfast. Because I was finding, I often see this quite quite often anyway, is that you know if you think of typical breakfasts, and you know someone like myself who does tend to start the day with protein and fat based breakfast most of the time, basically bacon and eggs. Yeah, like bacon and eggs or eggs and bacon sometimes. (laughs) That's really nice. Or or eggs, bacon and sausage. (laughs) Um, But then what I've started to do is like, you know, like with omelettes, you know, I'll get some onion in there, tomato, spinach. Maybe if there's some other leftover green vegetables, I might whack them in there as well. Um, Or sometimes, you know, if I am having like eggs and bacon, I want to kind of get a bit of a veg hit. I might just like lightly pan fry the spinach and tomatoes and some mushrooms together um to to go with it you know get some seasoning there really delicious and just goes quite nicely with the eggs and bacon anyway um like the frittatas or good old bubble bubble and squeak, and squeak you know yeah. if you've got some leftover potatoes and, and veg you know mash them all up that's always tasty with a nice some poached eggs and stuff um and um, i just find it's just because otherwise you're kind of limiting yourself to your lunch and your dinner to try and kind of pack your 
your veg in, intake in there, which yeah. you know isn't impossible. But why not get some more in at breakfast that that, that tastes good and are going to give you a nice kind of like a micronutrient hit for the day? Well, I think the functional medicine recommendation is coming up to like ten to twelve servings a day of fruit and veg, mainly but it's funny two from fruit, you know, and that is the Australian we're, recommendation. We're still sticking to the five a day, aren't only because it's like simple. Whereas like Australia, America are like ten, yeah, like double. Like yeah, it's yeah. not, you know what I mean. We're talking double. Well, I think um, one thing I've, I've uh, mentioned to our membership group that I started doing is I do a, a green shot with my uh, if I'm I'm having something like say porridge and chia seeds. Which I'm just rotating all all different types of breakfast now. I'm just loving variety more than anything. Yeah. Um, and so, like you, know, some days it's kind of egg. Some days I might have like chicken. And uh, but what I, I'm trying How to that do. How was you had the other day? <laughs> Oh, so we recorded. When have you ever seen me have a pan of raisin? Nah, I've normally They're not even nice. Pan of raisin? No, it's not even nice. When I have breakfast, I always want, like, no, but you breakfast. Don't, look, come on, look, schoolboy area, you don't have a pan of raisin in place of breakfast. You have it as well as. Yeah, I know, but I really enjoy breakfast. I never want anything, like, sugary at breakfast. I haven't done If you don't, you have your breakfast and you have it afterwards. It's like a dessert after breakfast. Right, yeah, okay. a bit like the Armandi. You know? yeah. <laughs> who, who decides when I have a dessert? <laughs> <laughs> you have one after every meal just that's one of my many freedoms <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what I was going to say was I have a shot where I'll just do uh, um, a little bit of kale massive chunk of ginger and um, just been adding in um, just like broccoli sprouts if we've got them in or um, what did I put in it this morning uh, half an apple and then just blitz it up with some water so it's not really a meal and I just neck that along with whatever if I'm eating eggs or something um, you know, and I think some people are gonna maybe if you're really busy, you might. Everyone's listening to this guy, and yeah, I'm with Matt on this one. What, what the other the pan of raisin, not the, no, the, uh, the green shot. I'll, I'll have the. I'll just like you know whack it in like a frittata or or a bit of bubble. <laughs> well, the other thing is, if you look at your plate, you see, I quite like. A, I like to see a lot of food on my plate. I think that's from being yeah. around you too much. But I'm a big guy, aren't I? Yeah, true. Uh, but what I've started doing increasingly is I'll add some nuts and seeds to the salad, but I dress it with vinegar. So in terms of, there's a lot of food there. Uh, um, yeah, high volume of food. Yeah, high but... volume of food. And next to your plate, it looks like I'm eating a lot. And that is how, I, how I've always done it. And more and more so, my sides are vegetable-based. So it's ratatouille, it's vegetable curry, it's homemade coleslaw. And that allows you to put quite a lot of food on your plate. Um, and even if you do go back for seconds, mm. it's predominantly fiber and plants and good food. And I'm just scaling back, like um, not in a way that is, I don't, I've never tracked or measured food. Um, and again, I'm quite good with satiation signals. I kind of go, well, yep, that's definitely enough. Mm. Uh, but the fiber does fill you up and you yeah. feel like, well, I've well do, you, had do you know enough. as well? I think it's like, um, you know, because I think, you know, we say this all the time, you know, like we are, we are still very much always on a journey ourselves and, or like me being, you know, quite frankly, a bit of a pig. You know, I, I, you know, I eat a lot, and my plate is often piled up high. I more often not go back for seconds, and you know, I've just always been that way. But over the years, you know, I, I've kind of got better at being, um, you know, a little bit less greedy with my portion sizes. And what I tend to do now is I put my veg or salads on the plate first, and then I'll fill the gaps with some protein carbs fats or whatever whereas before i'd kind of pile it with the protein and the carbs and then just fill the little gap that was left yeah with the salad or the veg yeah, um, when i see like people share food <clears throat> online and there's like a piece of chicken, and it might even be nicely done in like spices or whatever there's a piece of chicken and then there's like a kind of fist size of sweet potato or something and then just some 
steamed broccoli, I always think like, God, I, I just yeah, but yeah, but come on, let's be real, because I'm 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 confessing right now. Like I, I was thinking about doing a, a a before and after of like my Instagram photos sometimes, because yeah, like I'll take a nice pretty picture and then I'll pile on a load more food and no, then no, eat it. No, no, no. What I was saying <laughs> was, it's not just that there's not much food there, but there's not much creativity. So that's what I'm saying about if you've oh, got right. like ratatouille or you've got like. Um, a chickpea curry or a really cool salad that like I said has got is pimped with loads of stuff on it nuts, seeds, avocado and everything then but it's still it's it's, it's a high volume of food but mm-hmm. there's there's actually you know one it's nutrient dense and it's low generally in kind of energy mm. as in like macronutrient kind of profile but that's what I'm saying about I, I wouldn't eat that way I never have done and, and people I always have kind of a couple of big plates of salad a day mm-hmm. or you know like I steam veg is normally in a sauce of some sort or, so, sorry, I'm, sorry what's your point? What point was you making it? That when I see people say like, oh, that, that the perception of clean eating is like it's kind of a handful of steamed broccoli right. and chicken and a bit of sweet potato and, and then people wonder why they can't sustain that. Mm. And I, it's because you've got to learn to cook and you've got to learn to make stews and soups yeah. and awesome foods and that, that allow you to have all of these vegetable foods but, you know, with spices and herbs and you feel like you're, you know, you're loving the food that you eat yeah, and look yeah. forward to it. Um, yeah, well, you know, it's funny because I've always kind of said, you know, if you've got like a really tasty bit of, uh, I don't know, like like chicken, for example, that you've roasted and you've got like a ton of like flavour on there, like a good bit of seasoning, garlic, herbs, spices, whatever. I always find that there's very little need for any kind of addition to that. Like, um, I mean, no one kind of wants to eat like bland uh, vegetables. Like sometimes I might coat it in a little bit of butter um so you know if i'm if i'm maybe doing like a slightly lower carb meal and bringing the fats up um you know i just season it quite well we we add mixed herbs to our salads don't we you so know that, and, that's and that something adds a I lot of flavor after um seeing a lot of the studies and the research on um herbs and spices mm-hmm. and like chlorella sorry not chlorella coriander sorry chlorella isn't it sorry coriander coriander has amazing ability to kind of um neutralize heavy metals which heavy metals are things like mercury and lead which are you know mercury is obviously used in dental fillings and also uh you know lead is in like the water system and it's something that you get you go onto a lot of um courses and i hear all this and i'm like oh it stresses me out what can we do about it and actually chlorella is one nutrient that you could take as a green powder but uh Mm-hmm. It's amazing for um, supporting detoxification. Parsley is another one. And you can right. actually, if you buy fresh parsley, fresh coriander, you can make salads that are predominantly herb-based. Well, you actually can so use those handfuls. leaves, can't you, yeah. as like salad leaves, not as a as a, as a topping type thing. Yeah, with a bit of rocket or something mixed in. And then, in fact, uh, uh, old Nigella done that just the other day. She did, didn't she? We, we were, were impressed. Like, she's on the ball. <laughs> she's on a detox protocol <laughs> she's late nights Nigella <laughs> she's been on the hard stuff but the other thing was uh, there's tons of stuff on, on turmeric we mentioned the other day uh, specifically turmeric with black pepper which we put in our very first book we had turmeric and black pepper chicken and again I think the black pepper the piperin I think it prevents it from being absorbed into the I can't remember if it promotes absorption Anyway, the way that it helps systemically is it either piperin promotes absorption into over the gut lining. I think that's what it does. So if you don't have it with black pepper, it stays in the gut. If you have it with black pepper, it stays in the gut and does an anti-inflammatory effect in the gut, which is very good, as you well know, if you're taking anti-inflammatories for anything like ibuprofen. Yeah. So when you had to take those in the past, 
Yeah, so just a big shout out for herbs and spices. So when I make a salad for you now, I always put on it fresh oregano, fresh thyme, fresh rosemary. Uh, and again, if you've got things like uh, avocados and stuff on there that, you know, and vinegars, it's, it tastes well, lovely. No, it, it tends to be dried. Dried herbs, yeah, yeah. You just said fresh. Oh, did I? Sorry. So I fresh dried. thyme, fresh rosemary. But then we'll put fresh parsley, fresh coriander. Uh, incidentally, there was a bit of talk about uh, vitamin A, which is also very important for gut function. Yeah. And some people are, uh, we've mentioned this before, have a genetic SNP, a mutation, which means they can't convert vitamin A from plant-based foods. Right. So beta carotenes from plant-based foods into uh, uh, kind of the retinoic acid, which is the, the vitamin A that the body, the gut needs, the immune system needs. So they are better having generally preformed vitamin A, which you can either take as a supplement or take as uh, in animal foods, uh, which is why it's a good case for kind of just having a couple of slabs of liver each week. Uh, in amongst your highly plant-based <laughs> diet. <laughs> if you add fats to beta-carotene-rich foods, so your sweet potatoes, I just think we mentioned this before, if you add fats to your sweet potatoes, carrots, butternut squash, the orange foods have mm-hmm. got the beta-carotene in. Um, so if you put olive oil on them or you put mashed avocado, uh, have your carrots with mashed avocado, it actually increases the conversion and uptake. As in like Bye. carrot sticks with guacamole type yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, but a huge percent as well. Just imagine people thinking roast carrots with... No, no, so like carrot sticks <laughs> with mashed avocado or if you put olive oil on your butternut squash, it up, it increases the conversion. And, and again, makes, we would have paired these foods in history. It makes them taste a little bit better. Yeah, exactly. So it's wonderful, like... It's win-win. It's great news for cooking. Uh, one thing to me- mention actually, so for those of you that I know still people have to eat out and and kind of do we'll occasionally do like a grab and go in the supermarket and we'll mm-hmm. make the best choice we can and someone did ask us about label reading and kind of what should we look out for yeah and sugar obviously has got the the kind of that's the number one villain everyone goes well if it's got sugar in it but actually if it's a tiny amount of sugar as you've said if it's kind of the way the ingredients are listed if sugar's at the very end of the list it means there's a small amount yeah Ideally, you don't want that much in your your kind of added sugar in your diet, of course. But if you're generally eating good stuff most of the time, what I'd be looking at more for is things like the e-numbers and the chemical-based foods. And they did mention emulsifiers, um, which are thickeners for foods, which they were saying have a really detrimental effect on um, the gut microbiome. So, And the food industry, although they've deemed them food safe, aren't looking at what they're doing to the gastrointestinal tract. Uh, and it's funny because I think I identified this a while ago where I, I kind of noticed I couldn't have a lot of dressings. Have you ever noticed this? Dressings used to give me terrible IBS. I can't so, remember. I definitely noticed that I couldn't have certain dressings without getting... Uh, and again, some of them got sweeteners in, so that's another factor possibly. But the ones that were mentioned were uh, carboxymethylcellulose, CMC, polysorbate 80, which is P80, uh, and these are two emulsifiers, but then also uh, artificial sweeteners, saccharine, sucralose, and aspartame were also mentioned. So they're kind of really what we don't want to be seeing necessarily on in when you're doing your kind of when you're doing your label reading for different reasons, as well as any e numbers and, and stuff. yeah, I mean that's it, what's having a bad effect on the gut. And it's not like you need, like you say, it's not like you need to obsess with the labels. I just think like we often kind of like when we're working with people who you know we sometimes get like a panic email and say, oh gosh, I um I was running late, I, I didn't manage to prepare a lunch. It was mental at work, so went to so and so, and all all I could really think to get was like a baguette and fruit and then we'd be like well you know like you know sometimes just stop for a moment and first of all at the end of the day if you've had a baguette it really is not that big a deal 
You know what I mean? Unless, of course, you are celiac and your body yeah, just goes crazy afterwards. So, first of all, I think people need to kind of realise that, you know, just sometimes, you know, being in that situation, just having kind of whatever, just, just to kind of get some food down you for whatever reason, you know, busy at work, whatever it may be, just be kind of done with it and, and don't worry about it. But sometimes it's worth kind of just saying, just just take a moment and think, right, like, think of all the things I've learned, think of what I know right now, what would be kind of like a a better option for me in this situation you know it's not an ideal because ideally I'd want x y or z which I'd normally prepare myself but I've forgotten my lunch so right what am I going to do and I mean especially in London like I think you're, you're almost spoiled for choice with your grab and goes now like yeah, I, don't, I don't think it's if, if it's a grab and go one-off occasion it's if you're doing this every um if it's a dressing that you have every day or if it's a, a workout supplement, which you have every day and it's got sucralose in it, just understand that you're changing gut microbiome. If it's a protein bar, there's a lot of the, the kind of healthy protein bars that people see out there um, have got the kind of sucralose added. So just check. And if it's something you eat every day, then, then it might be having that impact, yeah. slight impact, if it's a dressing you use every day. But like you were saying, if it's a grab-and-go option where it's a one-off meeting, yeah. uh, absolutely kind of, it's, it's, it's not going to make a huge amount of difference. You mm. know, our bodies are very robust, our bodies want health. And if you're building up good, your good bacteria, not good, sorry, your whatever, beneficial mm. bacteria. Friendly bacteria. Friendly, uh, you know, your good army, they're going to keep the redundant or the, the less desirable army yeah. in check. So you've got that kind of, that nice uh, ecosystem is what we've got mm. there. But it's the ecosystem between the body and the bacteria as well. But we've now gone to an hour, so we should probably wrap up, which we didn't intend to. That's a wrap. And I will go away and write up in more detail the kind of, there was some great stuff about certain strains of bacteria promoting certain neurotransmitters, mm-hmm. so how it helps with mood and certain strains of bacteria helping with detoxification which is also really important mm. so it was amazing the gut is is involved in everything the gut is is probably the the most important organ in the body but you know it's like we we said in our podcast well, maybe the brain so maybe it's just, no i don't know you know our podcast with tommy like we were saying you know how you know it is really good to see now like you know things like gut health being more mindful taking your time with food yeah, reducing yeah. stress is becoming more talked about and it's becoming more talked about by doctors, you know, people in medical professions who, you know, let's be honest, which is who people trust. You know, I think, pe- I think you're you know, gonna trust have to, me, I'm a doctor. Yeah, but I think people are going to have to go off and try every single diet under the sun and then when the world runs out of diets, they'll go, oh, do you know what, maybe I just have to do take the long route, which is sustainable habits. Like, But you know what, the thing <laughs> is, right, you know, like, I mean, I'm, I'm 31 years old, you're 36 now, yeah? <sighs> Even though everyone thinks I look older than you, you know what I mean? Um, I've had a hard life, I told you. I'm nearly um, 50. You're nearly 50. Oh, shut up. Where's really? women in age? Crikey. I know, I'm, I'm closer to being 50 than I've ever than been what? I've ever been before in my than life. What? One. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just, such a bizarre statement. Because it's just around the corner. And I remember, it's not just the corner, I remember celebrating my mum's 50th. It is because the world's going so fast. This is my point. Time is this going is so fast. This is my point. The world is going fast. Time is going fast. And people always are impatient. They're always, they want results now. They want to fix now. And, you know, if you make any suggestion about, you know, maybe, you know, looking at this as a lifestyle and see what you can do over the next 12 months, breaking it down into smaller chunks, etc., etc., people aren't interested really they want something quick they want something now however those just literally stop for a moment and look back at how many years there'd been 
on and off, on and yeah. off a diet or an exercise plan and how many times it's just that they're, they're still no better off long term, you'd be like, well, actually, if you had just done this eight years ago, you know, which is the quicker option, the one you took or this one, you know what I mean? And it's kind of just putting it into perspective for people. And, you know, as the the kind of old saying goes, you know, slow and steady wins the race in this case. Yeah, absolutely. And I think so, having seen what I've seen in the last three or four courses I've been on, it, you're just going to run into health issues. If well, you, you don't eat like this, then this is the way across... You kind of taking the best bits of every single diet that's ever been out there, which yeah. is kind of you know. But the thing is, <clears throat> home cooking, plant-based foods, gut-friendly, hormone-friendly. You know, we've always said this. You know, like it, for a long time now, it's not like it's new science to say eat more vegetables. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's like, come on, we know this. Yeah. You know, your we grand, all know your this. Your grand told you that. Yeah, exactly. Eat your veg, eat your veg. Like, you're not having any desserts, you've eaten all your vegetables. Um, <laughs> Is that where you got it from? Yeah. Then you can have an almond. That's why I wolf my veg down first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, I have a biscuit now. <laughs> but, you know, just, just one quick example before we do wrap up. You know, like, because um, I've actually taken on, I've gone back to PT in a little bit, haven't I? Because, uh I missed it like mad, the kind of interaction with people. I'm absolutely loving it. And, of course, you know, Keris is doing her thing nutrition-wise. Um, and we've got, like, one of one of our joint clients, as we call them, because I'm training them and you're doing their nutrition. And in just the space of a fortnight of making some really, like, like you know, in the grand scheme of things, subtle changes just to their nutrition, just a world of difference to, like, like bloating's gone down. Uh, skin health has improved energy levels have gone up and you're like it's the evidence is there it's yeah, clear yeah. to see and even, even she said you know she was just like I didn't even realize I was bloated until I actually felt like I do now because I think a lot of people become accustomed to a certain feeling like we always mention like lack of energy bloating whatever it may be and and, and all of a sudden it becomes normal because you're like that most of the time you know what I mean yeah I think so you know don't underestimate the power of food guys and well I was gonna say one one message I have is you don't have to suffer with these issues you don't have to have joint pain you don't have to have acne psoriasis eczema asthma there is so much to do with asthma and nutrition now that you can actually really really I wouldn't I'd hesitant to say like you know never you need to use inhalers but because the immune system is kind of all based in, you've got like the lymphatic system and it's kind of talking to the mucosal cells in the lung as well as the gut. It's all linked. So you can do a lot with nutrition and probiotics for asthma. And you wouldn't think that, or probiotics and asthma. But it's kind of like when you, um, like we've worked with clients before who in turn through, you know, like changing their nutrition lifestyle habits who used to suffer severely from hay fever. All of a sudden, the kind of season comes around, and they're like, "I'm absolutely fine." Yeah, because you calm the immune system exactly. down. Exactly, anti-inflammatory like, nutrition. Yeah, done. Awesome, guys. I hope you enjoyed that episode. I loved it. Keris is just full of knowledge nuggets. You got any more courses coming up? Uh, yeah, I think so. You got two more for the. Let me know in advance. So I'll, uh, get a, get a box set in. Crate beers. <laughs> 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 I'll order, order it in advance guys um, do do share away with anyone you think would benefit from this leave a review on iTunes pretty please if you haven't done so already have a good day evening weekend wherever you are right now when you're listening to this and we will see you in episode number 81 see you later guys Bye.